welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to the Sneaky Emu. I am so very glad you're here. Thank you for joining. Thank you for listening. Mom, thanks for tuning in. You are my biggest fan, I believe. Uh, This is episode number seven, and we are here. We're alive with a beat in our heart and our breath in our lungs. That means that things are going pretty good, even when they're not. I hope that wherever you are, whatever you find yourself up to this day, this week, this month, or this year, things, the odds will ever be in your favor, and the force will be with you, and all kinds of other stuff like that. So, uh, have you ever... Okay, did I say episode seven? This is episode seven of the Sneaky Emu. You're here. Good. Let's move on. Have you ever had one of those days? Or maybe one of those weeks? Or maybe you're in the year 2020 and it's just been one of those years. Can you feel me? You know what I'm talking about? Uh, I've had one of those days just the other day, and maybe it was like two days in a row, maybe three days, but it was like one of those days. So let <laughs> let, let me tell you uh, what I've been up to, what I've been dealing with, and then maybe uh, I can provide a little bit of hope or some insight for you if you find yourself having one of those things. So I believe it was Saturday, just the past Saturday, uh, I was hanging out with my family, with my boys. I got a six-year-old boy and a four-year-old boy. And we recently uh, got a couple of four-wheelers. Nothing fancy, nothing expensive, just something to tool around on because we live on some uh, on five acres and the boys are getting old enough and we haven't done that yet. We haven't made the purchase to buy any vehicles like that. And I felt like, you know what? It's time. It, we should all we should be able to ride some four wheelers. So we did. We bought one for the adults, one for my wife and I, and one for the kids. So we got and they're, again nothing too big, nothing too fancy. The kids got a little. Uh, it's like a little one twenty five or something, or yeah, something like that. And then we got like a two fifty, but we got the two fifty again, which isn't a huge uh, four wheeler. But we got the two fifty with uh, it's one you have to shift. You know, like with a clutch and a uh, and a shift a shift. A shifter, a shift pedal. What's it called? You have to shift it. It's a manual. It's a, it's a manually operated four wheeler, for the sole purpose of not allowing our kids to use it. <laughs> so they have theirs that's automatic that they could drive around. But we got this one on purpose so that they they wouldn't be able to use it for a while, so that they stay off of it. You know. So, anyways, me and the boys were driving around. I was driving the adult one. I had the little kid on the back, my, my youngest on the back, and the older one, the six-year-old, was following behind me. And we were going down this little trail, and somewhere along the line, uh, they they were talking to me or asking me questions about something, and I got a little distracted, and this was not good. So I turned my head to the left to look, to look back to see what the one was wanting, and when I did that, uh, I ran the four-wheeler into to a tree. Now, we weren't going too fast. It wasn't that big a deal. But what happened was I slammed forward and bashed my rib cage on the handlebars. And so my ribs uh, got bruised. They, like, really, like, it. it's nothing like, uh, they're not, like, shattered. They may be fractured. I don't know. But it's been about a, about a week and almost two weeks now. They've been so bruised I haven't been able to... 
haven't been able to run. I haven't been able to yoga. I haven't been really able to do much of all other than eat, which is never good. So anyways, so it was like Saturday, I, uh, my rube, my rubes, my rubes got brizzed, my ribs got bruised. And, uh, so that was causing me some pain. Monday morning, I got ready to go to work. My wife was taking the kids to school. I got in, the, in my truck to, uh, to, to head to where I needed to go. And the battery in my truck died. Now it's an old battery. It's a 2008 Toyota Tundra, navy blue, in case you're interested. Not that you were, but you know, some people like details. So my, my truck battery died. As my and so I go to I, I find that out as my wife is pulling out of the driveway to take the kids to school. So I'm stuck at the house now by myself. Well, I remember she had one of those battery pack chargers, you know, like um, like it's, it comes a little case and then like it, it has enough power to give you um, a, a couple rotations on the alternator. Well, I hooked that up. Think, okay, I'll just get this going. I'll head to the parts the parts store, like AutoZone or something, and get a new battery. Well, the problem was is that the uh, the charger thing was dead. So that was no help. So I'm like strike two, so I'm getting a bit frustrated. And then um, <clears throat> I was able to get a jump uh, from my, uh, my sister who was staying with us. And so she got in her car. I text her early, hey, can you come help me out? She comes, helps me out. But then she drives an Audi and we couldn't find the battery. So my battery died, the char the backup charging system wasn't working, Was it was dead, and then apparently the Audi doesn't have a battery like in the front part of the engine. <laughs> so we found out after much Googling, thank you Lord for the Googles, uh, that the battery was in the back under the spare tire in the back trunk. So just a heads up, if you ever need a battery jumped, and somebody, the guy that pulls up next to you has an Audi, odds are the battery's gonna be in the back. You're welcome, that was free. Now, I got to the battery place, got the battery changed, went on with my day thinking all is well. Uh, I eventually went to work, made my way home. No, I take that back. At work, my wife calls me and she says, the dog ran away. So we have this uh, black lab named Jackson Storm. If you're familiar with Cars 3, this should ring a bell. It's named after the, the new, faster, bigger race car that Lightning McQueen has to battle uh, named Jackson Storm. So Jackson Storm ran away at a pre very uh, precarious time in which she was trying to go pick the kids up from school and she couldn't find them. And so it was just this whole mess of a thing. When the dog got back, um, what we realized is that the dog had a giant gash in its head. So my wife was, I think, because he went to like a, a pond somewhere and got filthy dirty and was just gross. She didn't have time to mess with him, put him in the cage. When she went to clean him, she realized uh, the top of his head, he had this like massive gash in the top of his head which means uh, he's gonna need some sort of stitches or surgery or something. And we're just thinking, what in the heck is going on? So within the matter of a day, a couple of days, I ran into a tree, bruised my ribs, my car battery died, I struggled to get a new battery. Oh, 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 that day I got home that the dog got a screw in its head. No, that the dog got a gash in its head. I got a screw in my tire. Yeah, so. <laughs> 
Not only did my battery die, the dog ran away. Uh, the dog got a gash in its head that we were going to have to somehow fix. Uh, I ran over a screw in my truck in my tire. So it's been a bit of a, a shaky couple of days. On top of that, uh, the next day, my wife went to take the, the dog to the vet and she <laughs> she drops the dog off. And then when they pick him up to take him home, I don't know what was going on, but apparently the dog had diarrhea. So in my, in my wife's car, she's got the kids, the dog starts having diarrhea and then is like running, not running because it's not a big car, but is hopping through the car and dropping diarrhea all over the car. <laughs> so let me recap that. Uh, I hit a tree. I bruised my ribs. My battery on my truck died. I had to pay a hundred and I think it was 175 bucks to replace that. I got a screw in my tire in that same truck. The dog ran away, which caused some issues for my wife. Not so much for me. The dog got a gash in its head that we had to pay a hundred and I think it was like 150 bucks to get it stapled. And then the dog had diarrhea in the car. Ah, it's been one of those days. <laughs> it feels a lot like like a metaphor for the for the year 2020, doesn't it? Like it's just thing after thing after thing after thing and you just you just want to start over or something or maybe you know, I take it all my my general personality is fairly even keeled, so I take it all uh, with in stride, so to speak. But when things pile up like that, it's it's kind of hard not to get at least a little bothered or a little overwhelmed or something like that. Now, the interesting thing about it was that this all happened. The start on a Saturday, I think it was Monday. By all this was like the time all this <laughs> Monday or Tuesday, all this had played out in a matter of like three days. On Sunday, in between all that. I had just given a sermon. Uh, we were going through the Sermon on the Mount, and I had given an entire sermon on blessed are those who mourn. <laughs> and so I, I, I want to kind of go through some of that with you because uh, the more I've gone um, like in giving it, and I, the more I've thought back through it, it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty good message. Pat on the back. Uh, that that I think as. If I didn't go through what I went through, didn't go through what I went through, it might not have resonated as much as it did. But for after it resonated more with me after I said the things I said and went through what I went through, then than it probably did as I was giving the message. So I want to I want to kind of hit some high some notes off of that, um, and then maybe if you find yourself struggling with one of those days or struggling with the year 2020, maybe this will like. Um, give you a little bit of hope. Like I came to the realization that I think, oh, I am I living the sermon now? Like, <laughs> did I prepare this for myself in advance? You know, like uh, what's the what was that movie with Tom Cruise where they could see the things they would have what were the premonitions? They could see the uh, the things before they happen. Dang it, I'm drawing a blank. Anyways, um, not not premonition. Anyways. Uh, all right, so blessed blessed are those who mourn, because that's how I felt 
that's what I felt like I kind of wanted to do after you know the third day of back to back to back bad things happening. Just wanted to curl up into a ball and cry. So Jesus in his sermon on the mount says, "Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted." Now I think it's really easy for us. We take this message, and we go, "Oh yeah, that's a that's a nice sermon. That's a nice message about you know." Um, uh, we, we use this at like funerals or we use it at uh, anytime we're going through some difficulty and it's kind of like, yeah, you know, like we say that so that we have some sort of hope in the middle of the difficulties of life. And yeah, sure, sure, sure. I get it. That's that's great. Absolutely. Why not? Like we want to believe and trust that if we're going through something, we've got this pain, we've got these certain uh, difficulties we're struggling with. We want to believe that God is going to be there yeah, okay, I can get behind that. Um, but there's like a couple of questions that are raised if you really read that passage. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. The word blessed means happy. So happy are those who mourn. Uh, I, I didn't feel happiness in my mourning. Maybe I wasn't mourning. Maybe I was sulking. I don't know. Um, the word for mourn in the Greek text um, has to do with like this deep sense of weeping like it's not just I'm sad. It's it's this deeper like uh, it's the word pantheo, and this word was used in the Greek language um, like as the the heaviest, the strongest word for mourning. It was used for this like passionate lament over someone who had died. So happy are those who happy are those who grieve, like uh, who mourn. Um, happy are those who weep like they've lost somebody close to them why would they be happy are they happy in their comfort are they happy because they're comforted what is, that doesn't even really make sense do you know what i'm saying you see there's all kinds of other questions so there's a couple different ways to come at this passage there's like three three kind of key ways one is you can come at it straightforward which i get it is is good it's fantastic it's the it's this idea like we said that um yes god will be with us in the difficulty in fact, there's a um, there's a, an ancient uh, Arabian proverb that says, "All sunshine makes a desert." All sunshine makes a desert. I thought this was a great proverb. The idea being that if there's a particular place that has sun all day every day, and there is no rain, then that place, that land, will become a place where nothing can really grow. It's only um, when that land, that place, receives the rain, has the thunderstorms that the plants, the fruits, the flowers will then come to life. So uh, I live in Florida, uh, and it gets crazy hot here and crazy humid. And it's the other day it was like 103 heat index, so it was just roasting. But I also understand that in the summer especially, um, we get a regular like afternoon sh- thunder shower, thunderstorm. And so that kind of helps like cool everything down a little bit, give everything a bit of a reprieve, a bit of a breather, and actually is, it becomes very beneficial for our, you know, our our plants, our grass, all that stuff. But if I lived in Florida and we didn't have the rain, if we only had the heat, the intense heat and the humidity, I think everything, including myself, would absolutely shrivel up and die because that's what it feels like sometimes here. It's it's pretty bad. So the idea is that there are only there are certain things that happen with the land that can only happen when we get the rain. 
there are certain things that can only happen to you that you can that can only happen when you experience this some sort of sorrow or mourning. It's in these moments that that we go through this difficulty that we're able to have some sort of new insight or perspective on the other side, or we trust that God will show up in the middle of it to help be with us during the difficulty. Now, when you go through 17 different things like bruising your ribs and your battery dying and paying the money for a new battery and then your dog running away and then your dog bashing its head and spending another 150 to get the dog's head fixed and then the dog has diarrhea all over the car, um, you don't necessarily feel comforted in times like that. And uh, the the little stuff that adds up like that, maybe I don't go, oh, there's... I'm going to come away with some sort of great perspective in this moment, right? But I do think when we go through more substantial things, there is stuff that we learn through the difficulty, through the sorrow, through the mourning, through the rainstorms of life that will that do give us wisdom and perspective on the other side of it, you know? And I think, too, um, when when you go through something really difficult, like if you're going through some real heavy stuff. Uh, I think a couple things happen. One is that it opens you up to like the love of others. If you, um, you, you get to, because all the trivial stuff gets kind of stripped away and then you get to see the heart and the care of the people around you. In fact, there, I'm reading this book, uh, what's it called? I had a book given to me, I think in episode, one of the episodes I talked about meeting some new friends and uh, I've, I've been able to keep talking with them, and they're so awesome. And they gave me, um, Danny and Amy sent me a book called Sometimes Courage that Amy's sister wrote, Kitty Robinson. Um, and I'm only, I'm a few chapters in, but man, this girl's got a story. I'm talking about, you know, you think that I thought I had a bad day the other day. This lady went through some serious stuff and her whole book is really, as, as I get through it, is about uh, the wisdom that she has received, the lessons she has learned, who she has grown to be as she's gone through the difficulties, after going through the difficulties. She had some thunderstorms of life that she went through, and it allowed her to grow because all sunshine makes a desert. Yeah. So you get to see the love, and that's that's where I was going is that she talks about how she was originally very driven um, by the need to succeed, and it was always about, hey, look at what I've done and being at the, you know, the top of your class or whatever. And she had a, a medical diagnosis that she could no longer be like the center of all things, and she, was, she had to rely on other people. And it was in learning to let go of being in control and all that and learning to rely on other people that she learned some of her greatest lessons. Yeah. So you get to see the love of others when you're going through some sort of difficulty. You also, I think, really get to experience, hopefully, this is what draws you into like this closeness or this connection with God because you realize like maybe things are be out of your control or out of your hands. There's not much I can do. And so there's only one place to turn, and that is something greater than yourself. So this can also be a, a really uh, beneficial thing. So that's one way to see this is like from a straightforward perspective that when you're in the middle of difficulty, uh, there, there's different components of it, whether it's the love of others or love of God, that you get to see at a deeper level, which then maybe will bring you comfort. Yeah. In fact, there's a um, there's this great poem uh, by Robert Browning 
when he writes, talks about sorrow, uh, he talks about the difference between pleasure and sorrow, and he says this. He says, I walked a mile with pleasure. She chatted all the way, but left me none the wiser for all she had to say. I walked a mile with sorrow, and ne'er, ne'er a word said she, but oh, the things I learned from her when sorrow walked with me. I thought, that's that. That's good, man. Way to go, Robert Browning. I can use that. I just did, twice, in a sermon and in a podcast. So thanks for that, buddy. Um, there's something about going through some stuff that it's it's almost like wisdom or sorrow becomes brings wisdom. Sorrow can become your teacher. So yeah, very much so. You can learn from the difficulties of what you're going through. Hopefully, as we go through the year 2020, we're learning a few things. Now, you could also make this passage just a few. You know, here's the other two ways. You could also uh, take this passage through the lens of like caring for others. And the idea is that when we take on the heart of God, when we begin to see people in the world through the lens of God, uh, it should cause us to mourn. Do you know? Um, it should cause us, if we see things through the, way, through, the, through the eyes of God, through the lens of God, um, when we see the hurt and the pain that other people are going to, it should stir something within us. And maybe that stirring, maybe that mourning is an indication of our ability to connect to the heart of God. So when we see people starving to death or when we see the destruction of war, or when we see um, police, police brutality or when we see excess greed or when we see homelessness or children with no parents or the abuse and exploitation of women, when we see the abuse of our natural resources, when we see the hate people have for other people because of the color of their skin, when we see how divided we've come over our political, our politics, our political system. Yeah, absolutely. We should mourn. That should affect us very deeply because I believe it deeply affects God. Like one of the one of the key elements, um, kind of key components, uh, underlying themes throughout the scripture is the idea that God hears the cry. You can follow this all throughout throughout Scripture, going back in the Old Testament. When Cain kills Abel, the, the blood of Abel cries out from the ground, and God hears the cry. When the people are enslaved in Egypt, they cry out, and God hears the cry. When they're in Babylon, they cry out, and God hears the cry. In fact, in Exodus 3, God calls to Moses from the burning bush about hearing the cry of the people. He actually, check this out, he says this, Exodus 3. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So there is something here about knowing that God hears the cry and the sorrows of his people, and it stirs something within him. So when when we are concerned with the misery and suffering of others, it should stir something within us as well. So when he says, when Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted, um, maybe it has to do with this idea that God hears the cry and responds. And so when we hear the cry of others, when we're in, in, in tune with and listening for the cry of others, it should cause us to mourn, and our mourning should be an indicator that of our heart's alignment with God. And maybe when we understand that our heart is aligned with the very heart of God, we will find comfort in this deeper connection with our Creator. So that's, that's kind of neat. So that's the second way. And then the third way, um, you've got morning as your teacher. Morning is an indicator of your heart's alignment with God. And then this idea of like kind of a, a looking inward, right? The, the, the second way is kind of a looking outward. The third way is kind of a looking inward. 
that when we understand, um, you know, Jesus, the message of Jesus was was repent for the kingdom of heaven has come here, come near. The problem with the word repent is that we've taken it, we've made it this like weapon, we've made it this. Um, uh, gosh, we, we've made it into like a, a, I think a scary thing. I've been, I've been told I needed to repent and it's always been shouted at from a guy on a street corner. Like, and that doesn't really help. But when you understand the language of, of the Greek text and the Hebrew text, the word for repent is, is, is not a condemnation. It's actually an invitation. It's, it's an invitation to come, to come home, to return. Repent in, in the Hebrew language is the word teshuva, which means to return. And so the idea is that it's an invitation to return to the way you were created to live, right? So I, if I am living a particular life that isn't in line with how I've been created to live, the idea of repentance is to come back to be who God created you to be, to come back to your place within God's intended reality. So blessed are those who mourn is about is about realizing that maybe your life isn't headed in the proper direction and then being able to return to like the right path. Um, and it's in these moments of like coming back to the, to the proper, to the thing that you were made for that you find like nothing less than the infinite love of God. And so maybe the idea of blessed are those who mourn, um, for they will be comforted. It just carries with it this sense that when I come back, when there are things in my life, in my heart, that I haven't fully given over to God, God who is love. I haven't, there are places in my heart that aren't completely overwhelmed with and saturated with love. And when I realize that, it should cause me to mourn, which should cause me to come back, which should cause me to love. Hope that makes sense. Now, along with this, there are three times, so that's three different ways to look at, the, at, the, at that passage, but there are three times that the scripture talks about Jesus um, mourning or crying or experiencing a deep sense of sorrow. I'll kind of go through these a little bit quickly for the sake of time, but you'll get the idea. In John 11, uh, Lazarus dies. Jesus goes to see uh, his sisters and to, to, uh, to check in on them, and he's a friend of Jesus, so he's a bit upset. Uh, John 11, it says this, he went to go see Mary. Um, when Jesus saw Mary weeping, the Jews who had come along and the Jews who had, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Uh, Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, Jesus wept. So a friend of Jesus dies. He sees um, the sisters of the friend who died weeping and mourning, and he's deeply moved by it. And then he himself is deeply moved by it to the point of, of crying. Luke 19 is another time Jesus cries. He's on his way to Jerusalem. He's making, it's almost time for like the triumphal entry where he heads into the city of Jerusalem for like the last week of his life. And it says this, Luke 19, 41, as he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it's hidden from your eyes. The word for wept here in the Greek text is the word klaeo, and it means to like sob or wail aloud. So it's this thing that you can't contain. It's pouring out. It's this overwhelming grief. Um, there's a lot of really interesting stuff here, but basically he looks upon the city, the city of Jerusalem, 
where God's people are, you know, the whole nation of Israel, obviously, but it's almost like he sees a group of people who have lost their way. They're, um, they're a bit down in the dumps because they're under Roman oppression. They're looking for a savior or a messiah. They're looking for somebody to lead this like physical revolution, and Jesus isn't operating that way. He's leading a revolution of love, and uh, he understands that he, he knows and understands that he will end up giving his life because he's not what they expected him to be. So he weeps, he mourns over these people who have essentially kind of lost their way. Yeah. So then in Hebrews, we see the author of Hebrews talking about how Jesus, as Hebrews 5, 7, uh, during the days of life, of Jesus' life on earth, he offered up prayers and petition with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. So um, it's believed he's referring uh, to a couple different places. One of those is Matthew 26, where he's in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, and he's, it says that he's overwhelmed. Uh, let's see, Matthew 26, uh, and he began to be sorrowful and troubled. He said to them, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch over me. And then he falls on his face to the ground and prayed, my father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, not as, uh, yet not as I will, but you, as you will. So there's these very various passages where we see Jesus crying, mourning, lamenting um, over uh, the death of a loss of a loved one, um, over the a city of people who have lost their way, and essentially over struggling to you know like to follow the will of God. Um, so three different ways to interpret the passage, three different instances of Jesus crying in some way, shape, or form. Now, here's the, the interesting thing, and this is where it kind of gets into uh, the stuff I was dealing with <laughs> and hopefully uh, maybe gives you a bit of hope and is the thing that I found myself coming back to after I gave the sermon, after I was going through the stuff. In John 11, First uh, John 11, sorry, no, back up, First John 4, John is talking about the love of God, and he says this really interesting thing. Okay, he says, First uh, John four eleven. Dear friends, since God so loved the world, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and His love is made complete in us. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God, and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. This is the interesting bit. In this world, we are like Jesus. In this world, we are like Jesus. So, God is love. God loves us. When we love others, his love is complete. Whoever lives in God, God uh, lives in love. God lives in them. And in this world, we are like Jesus. Well, what was Jesus like? Well, we know that Jesus was claimed to be one with the Father, one with God, and we know that God is love. And so Jesus is the embodiment of love. Jesus is like the tangible expression of God who is love, the tangible expression of love. So when you love, you are like Jesus. And so the question then is, how do we see love responding in those scriptures, in the times that Jesus is mourning and crying? How do we see Jesus responding to those situations? Well, in the story of Lazarus, we see love coming alongside of those who are mourning 
and empathizing and mourning with them and comforting them. The way Jesus carries himself, the, the way Jesus responds is is a way for us to understand how love works and how love responds. So in the story of Lazarus, love comes alongside and empathizes. In the story of Jesus weeping over Jerusalem, we see love mourning over a people who have lost their way and who had this false idea of what will lead them to freedom. In the story of Jesus being overwhelmed in the garden, we see love wrestling with, with essentially the will of God, but yet still being able to pour out itself for the sake of all others. Not my will, but yours. Do you see? So this whole thing is very uh, insightful, at least to me. Um, if you back up into the Beatitudes and you look at this, the, the very first one, he says, blessed are the poor and blessed are the poor in spirit, uh, for theirs is a kingdom. There's this idea behind this that has to do with attachment and detachment, that we are very easily attached to the self and we're very easily attached to the material things of this world. And how when we detach from ourself, from the ego and from our stuff, we can experience the freedom uh, from the world that is and how it operates and actually step into the freedom that is experiencing the kingdom of heaven here and now. So when Jesus follows blessed are the poor and poor in spirit with blessed are those who mourn, maybe the idea is that when we detach from the self and from the stuff, we are now open to experience the kingdom of God, a kingdom that is built on, driven by, and operates out of love. So the kingdom of God, God is love, which means the kingdom of God is the kingdom of love. Okay? So uh, this phrase, blessed are those who mourn, can be taken a couple different ways. Uh, we can see mourning as a teacher. We can see mourning as an indicator of our heart's alignment with God. We can see uh, mourning as an, <coughs> excuse me, through the lens of like, self-introspection that can become the catalyst that would cause us to return to God who is love. And and then when you look at these examples of Jesus weeping or crying or mourning, uh, we see that Jesus who is one with God, who is love, and then we see these examples of, the examples of Jesus are the examples of love responding to the human condition. And then in First John, we see that in this world, we are like Jesus. So maybe the idea in all of this is that when I let go of the self and the stuff, I'm free to be open to the kingdom of love, the kingdom of God. And when I'm open to the kingdom of love, when I am like Jesus and love is the essence of my being, then blessed are those who mourn isn't like one of these three possible ways. It becomes all of them. It becomes all of it that it's love that allows me to go through the difficulty and to mourn and to trust and understand that that there will be wisdom and growth and knowledge on the other side of it. Love should cause you to mourn as you go through the difficulties of life because it's love that allows you to know the value of life. And so maybe the comfort is that love understands that there's something on the other side of it. Okay, It's also love that allows me to view people uh, as God views people. And so when I see or experience the, um, the, the children of God in some sort of hurt or pain or suffering, 
It allows me to come alongside of them in their mourning or causes me to mourn with them because I've heard the cry. And God, who is love, always hears the cry. Absolutely, we should mourn over the people and the nations and the systems that have lost their way. Love should cause you to mourn over the state of our nation and our world. It's also love that allows me to take inventory of the condition of my heart and see all the places that I haven't turned myself over to love. So it's this idea of love causing me to mourn over the lack of love. Right? So these are all the things that we see Jesus, who is the embodiment of love, mourning over. And in this world, you are like Jesus. So maybe the beautiful thing here about this concept, this idea of mourning, is that when we detach from the self and the stuff, we are now free to enter this kingdom of God that is the kingdom of love. We are free to be this embodiment of love. So mourning isn't something that that we should um, be fearful of, but rather mourning is the very thing that allows us to experience this deeper reality of love. First John 4 also says, to know love is to know God, which is to say that maybe the blessing and, and the comfort of those who mourn is that it's our mourning that brings us deeper into this reality of love, which is in fact the very presence in the reality of God, because God is love. It's our mourning that ushers us into the very presence of God. And maybe it's being in the very presence and reality of God that we will find like the ultimate sense of comfort. And maybe that's the hope that we have. Maybe that's the hope that we need. It's this morning that ushers us into the very presence and the reality of God. Do you see? So when I was going through my one of those days <laughs> with... Um, uh, with my car battery dying and my bruised ribs and the screw in my tire and paying the money for the new battery and the dog running away and the dog getting a gash in its head and paying another $150 to repair the dog's head and then <laughs> the dog having diarrhea all over the car. I felt like, <laughs> I felt like, morning. Now, those may, again, all be small things compared to something that you may be going through. I know of several situations right now, people are going through some really heavy stuff um, uh, that I just think my problems pale in comparison. But here's the thing. Even though your problems might not be as great as somebody else's problems, at least in your mind, it doesn't make them any less painful right? It's easy. Sometimes I think we play the comparison game too much, so much so that even when it comes to something like hurt and pain and mourning, but if you're going through something, you're still going through something. It, you, you may, you may have the tendency to limit or to, um, like try to, um, to, to downplay it. Well, it's, you know, I'm not going, at least I'm not going through all that. At least I'm not in the hospital. At least I still have health and at least, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Sure. But it doesn't mean that you're not having a bad day. And it doesn't mean that it doesn't hurt. It doesn't mean that if you get laid off, that it's not going to sting. And it doesn't. And so I think uh, the thing that kept playing through my mind in retro, like the day after 
I had one of those days um, was that maybe instead of like getting overwhelmed with everything that was in front of me, maybe what I needed to look for or realize or step into what is, was that it was these particular things, these moments, these situations that, that were hopefully the, the thing that I found hope in was that maybe it's in these moments that I am being drawn close to the presence and the reality of God. That in or through these difficulties, the hope is, or the comfort that I will find, is that God was with me through it all. Maybe that's, maybe that's part of like the good news or something. <laughs> yeah, so when it comes to wherever you're at, whatever you're dealing with, when it comes to the year 2020, and you have this sense of like, what could possibly go wrong next or will it ever get better or oh my gosh or the the world is going to hell in a handbasket um maybe maybe this is the place where we will discover the presence and the reality of god in a new deeper profound sort of way maybe this is the place that we're experiencing the rain and the thunderstorms of life so that our flowers can grow and flourish because all sunshine makes a desert. So there you have it, my friends. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I think it's the mourning that ushers in us ushers us into the very presence and the reality of love and God is love. So it ushers us into the presence and the reality of God. Yep. So Oh, I hope that's helpful for you today. I hope that's encouraging. I hope maybe you're arguing with me. Nope, doesn't work for me. Well, hang in there. And, and if for nothing else, you know what they say? It's like, um, uh, at least you didn't have the day I had. Or, or it's like, um, maybe, you, maybe you take comfort in the fact that somebody else is mourning because misery loves company, you know? So if for nothing else, if you don't agree, if it doesn't feel like it's helped at all, Maybe you can at least <laughs> hear the story of a guy dealing with a lot of little things adding up and being stressed out. And maybe that alone will give you comfort. So maybe there's a fourth way to look at this is that when you're mourning and you see somebody else in mourning, you there is solidarity in our mourning together. <laughs> you're not alone. <laughs> you're not the only one to experience something difficult. So, blessed are those who mourn, my friends, for they shall receive comfort, for they will be comforted. All right, friends, family, people, I'm so very glad you're here. This has been the Sneaky Emu, Episode 7. Thank you for being here. <coughs> for being here, Mom, thanks for listening. I hope that wherever you are, whenever you are, that you will realize that you have a beat in your heart and some breath in your lungs, and that no matter what you're up against... There still is life, and even in the depths and the hardships of life, there can be good, there can be love, there can be hope. You were made for so, so much. I am sending you all the love that I can possibly muster, I'm sending it all in your general direction, and I hope and pray that you will be encouraged and uplifted, and that you will learn to see the presence of God in all things. 
All right, we will talk to you next time. We're here to drink beer. We're here to kill.